Amazing Tuesday program, interviewing and to- talking Torah with special guests. Today we have with us Reb Shmuel Reichman. Reb Shmuel, how you doing? Baruch Hashem, such as a chus to be here with you, my Rav. It's all ours. You're doing so much great things for Klai, so you should koyach. So tonight's topic, we're going to be talking about achieving your greatness. And uh, that's really, really exciting. We've been having uh, quite a few episodes on this topic, and it's constantly getting, we're giving, you're getting a lot of great feedback. So we're really excited about it. So uh, let's jump straight into it. You ready, Rabbi Shmuel? Ready. Okay. So, so let's focus for a moment on the words, your greatness, right? Mm-hmm. What does that mean, right? And doesn't everyone have the same greatness to achieve? Such a good question. That's such a good question. So first of all, such as a host to be here and to all of our listeners, I hope we're going to be able to develop some really deep, inspiring ideas here today. So in terms of the question of your greatness, I think, first of all, there are so many Bali Machshava discuss these important concepts. Ramchal talks about how your job in life is to become you. And the Vilna Gon says that when you were a fetus in the womb, you were shown not only your unique purpose, but how it fit into the grand purpose of the world and how you're basically in this world to discover who you are and what your unique purpose is. So there's this general idea that it's not that everyone's the same. It's not that everyone has the same purpose. It's not that there's this one, you know, one tone pull, one uh, demarcation of what is greatness. You have to strive for that, you know, objective greatness. It, it is about self-awareness. It's about discovering who you are. And the Rambam says that everyone can be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. And everyone says, ah, listen, you know, we could all become great, but like Moshe Rabbeinu, is that, is that true? So Rebelchan Wasserman says tzaddik means to become your unique, perfect self. And that is different for everyone. So you can become a, a tzaddik not, you know, compared to Moshe Rabbeinu, but like Moshe Rabbeinu fulfilled his purpose and found his unique tafkid, so to speak, we can each fulfill our unique purpose and achieve our unique perfection. But I wanna actually, if it's okay with you, I wanna delve a little deeper into this question because I I think that in general, people like to focus on the uniqueness. And I remember when I was younger and I was living in Shalvin for a couple of years, uh, I dreamt of becoming great. I dreamt of striving for greatness. I used to ask myself this question, what is greatness? How, how, how can we really become great? How can I become great? And what does that mean? And I think that uniqueness is obviously fundamental and, and no one's gonna question that. But I do think that many people tend to focus on the uniqueness and they forget about the foundation. And I think that the greatest muscle for me is a building. If you want to build an extraordinary building, you have to have a strong foundation. If you want to build a skyscraper, you know, hundreds of stories, you got to work on the foundation before you start building it. And, and I think we live in a generation where everyone is, is obsessed with the uniqueness question and how to find your uniqueness. And, and despite the fact that that is so fundamental and so important, we forget about the Ikarim. We forget about that which is essential, that which is fundamental towards the foundation itself. And I want to just spend a few minutes talking about that because if you want to build a skyscraper, when if you imagine your life as a skyscraper, you can't start focusing on, on how nice you're going to make the 47th floor and how you're going to decorate the windows if you don't build that strong, incredible foundation because everything is going to fall down. And you, you often have, and in my experience, I mean, traveling the world and speaking in different countries and coaching countless clients, I've seen so many people's lives fall apart because they've never built that strong foundation. They never, either they're, they're burnt out, they're unbalanced. I mean, we all can think about our own life where 
there are certain aspects in our life which are going so well. And then there are certain aspects in our life which either we're not paying attention to or we want to be working on them, but they're just falling apart. So let's say you're really focusing on your self-development. How are your relationships doing? And if your relationships are going well, maybe your self-development is going well. Maybe your spirituality, your connection with Hashem, maybe that's just you know falling on the wayside. Or how are your finances doing? How's your health? So, so often we, we don't build a foundation for our lives, which take care of, so to speak, the, the platform of who we're going to be. We focus on one thing that we're really good at. We focus on something that we really enjoy and everything else seems to fall apart. And what I think is really important, especially when we talk about our tafkid and finding your uniqueness in life, especially in Judaism, is before we focus on the uniqueness, which I want to delve into in a few minutes, I think it's so important to really establish what is the foundation. What are we thinking about when we talk about a foundation to build your life, your task, your unique purpose on? And in Judaism, I think people like to specialize. And to specialize, once again, you need a foundation. So for example, Judaism, the central aspect of Judaism is halacha. And you know, when I was studying at Ritz getting smicha, it was such an amazing zuchos, amazing opportunity to delve into all the intricacies of different halachic topics and to do shimush and, and see how opposing paskins. But beyond halacha, which is so fundamental, there's a whole realm of, of Judaism, which is gemar be'in, which is not just delving into the practical, but it's delving into the inner, dyna- the, the inner dynamics, the infinite wisdom of Torah. And uh, Zohar had the tremendous zuchos to the privilege to spend years and years learning Gemara Bain with the Rosenzweig, Shalita, in, in YU. And to delve into a sugya, you take a Gemara and you understand how it, it, it reverberates through all of Shas and how all of the sugyas and Shas are connected and how you try to really contemplate the inner meaning of Halacha. And you try to understand what, what is going on here. Of course we do this, but where does this come from? And you source it back and you delve into the theories and ideas and you become, you know, it's, it's, it's delving into the source of why we are who we are and what we're doing. But there's a whole nother aspect, which is, okay, in addition to Gemar Be'in, what about your character? What about Musar? What about, you know, working on your mitos? What about self-analysis and self-awareness and understanding who you are, why you are, how you work, why you work, what are you doing? How can you become more aware of yourself, your weaknesses, your strengths, how to really understand how to align your life with the Ratzon Hashem, with Hashem's will. And, and then that's not enough, because then we have Machshava. We have Machshava Be'in, where you delve, anyone who's had the opportunity to delve into the, the beautiful ideas of the Maharal and the Ramchal, Nefshachayim. We live in a world full of beautiful Malabali Machshava. Nowadays, Moshe Shapir just passed away, Rakiva Tatz. It's, it's delving into the deepest existential questions of life itself. Why are we here? Why was the world created? What's the nature of reality? Who is Hashem? What do, we, what do we mean when we say Hashem? How can we say anything about Hashem? He's beyond words. What are the limitations of speech and thought? And what's the connection between the physical and the spiritual, the finite and the infinite? And one second, there's so many aspects of Judaism. We have halacha, gemara, machshava, musr, but then we live in a world, this is a newer phenomenon, but still has always been part of, of the essential aspect of living a Jewish life is inspiration. You know, we live in a world of inspiration. We have, you know, Charlie Harari in, in the non-Jewish world that's, you know, full of inspiration. We have, you know, all the great inspirational speakers. 
where does inspiration like you want to be filled with passion and fervor you want to be uh, living a life of vibrancy you want to have a it's, it's about understanding the power of identity the power of perception the power of living with purpose and you know, I've spent years studying the greatest minds in positive psychology and inspiration and public speaking because if you want to help people live a life of truth, it's not enough to just tell them the facts and share beautiful, deep ideas of Torah. You have to also inspire a will within the listener that they want this type of life. And for a lot of people, whether that's ideal or not ideal, the truth is not enough. You have to want it. It has to be exciting. It has to be vibrant. You have to be inspired. And I, I think one of the most fundamental questions in the world today is Mada, is how do you approach the, the questions of the physical world and science? And the Ramchal discusses the, the beauty of seeing the physical as an expression of the spiritual. Whereas Stakel Baraisa Baramo, the Midrash says that Hashem looked into, into the Torah and created the world as an expression of Torah. The physical world, both the physical and the wisdom of the physical world, it's an expression of the spiritual. And, and I can tell you one of my, uh, one of the things I like to talk about is how yeah, I've studied at Harvard, I studied at the University of Chicago, and there's a minor chazal that if someone tells you that there's Torah amongst Chaim, don't believe them. But if someone tells you there's wisdom amongst Chaim, believe them. Chachma so begayim no, tamim. No, hmm? yes, wisdom. Exactly, exactly. So th there's no Torah amongst Chaim. But if you understand how to see the, the realms of science and psychology and mathematics and understand how that's an expression of Torah. The Vilna Gon loved mathematics. The Rambam was, was a philosopher. The Ramchal knew, you know, studied and, and really taught medical students. If you understand how the physical world doesn't contradict the spiritual, but it's an expression of it, then you learn how to live an inspired life in this world and you uplift the physical world to be a reflection of the spiritual. So I, I think one of the most incredible questions when it comes to finding your uniqueness is have you first built a strong foundation? Have you really covered the basis? Because of course, there's gonna be a Baal Machshav, there's gonna be a Baal Moser, there's gonna be a Baal Gemar Be'in, there's gonna be a Baal Halacha, a Posek, and you can specialize and find your uniqueness, but if you're not balanced with your foundation, if you haven't really said, am I covered on all aspects of a Torah life, then you can't specialize. If you're trying to be, uh, you know, let's say you want to be a speaker and you want to share Torah, but you're not inspired yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not excited about Torah. Who's going to want to listen to you? And if you are, uh, let's say, if you're Baal Mahshab, you don't know Halakha, you don't know Gemara, you're not, that's not, uh, that, that, how can that be? That doesn't make sense. So before we talk about uniqueness, I think one of the most important things that I find is that people need to really build a strong foundation. I need to say, you know, am I, before I work on becoming a master of a certain craft, have I really built a strong foundation in life? And once you balance and once you build that foundation, I think then we can talk about beginning the stage of finding your uniqueness. And I think an important qualification though, is that it's not always chronological. It's not that you build, you spend 10 years working on your foundation and then you start building your uniqueness because the, what, there's a beautiful idea that Rish is Chachmi Yer Sashem. So the, the first part of Chachmi is Yer Sashem, but there's another puzzle that talks about the, the opposite. That in order to get uh, Chachma, Rish is Chachmi but in order to get Yer Sashem, you have to have Chachma. So which one is it? So it's not chronological. They, they overflow into each other. When you have Chachma, when you understand the deepest principles of life, that inspires Yira. The Ramchal defines Yira not as fear, but as awe. 
the higher level of, of your it's you're just all inspired by Kodesh Baruch Hu. But when you're all inspired by Kodesh Baruch Hu, you, you delve deeper into Chachma Satorah and you get more Chachma and that creates more Yira. So which one comes first? Okay, so it's a little complicated. Maybe Chachma comes first, maybe Yira comes first, but at the end of the day, they're overflowing into each other. And the more that you invest into your foundation, the more your uniqueness will become expressed. And the more that you start really fulfilling your task, the more you can invest into your foundation. So I think it is important even though we do talk about building the foundation first, it's not like, you know, you have one stage of your life where you build a foundation and you have another stage of life where you invest in uniqueness. It's like the example I like to give is giving. Everyone wants to contribute something to the world, but to contribute something to the world, you have to invest in yourself. You can only give what you have. You want to give a million dollars to Zedakah? That's yeah. wonderful. You have to first have a million dollars. You want to teach a shir? That's great. You have to first learn Torah. You want to do chesed? You have to have the gifts to give. So, what is it? First, you spend a couple of years investing in yourself and then you spend your whole life giving? No, it's, it's always going to be back and forth. You're always going to have to continue investing in yourself and then expressing outwards. And the more you express outwards, the more you're going to be able to invest in yourself. Yeah. Obviously, the first stage inv is investing in yourself, but it's a lifelong balance. Unbelievable. Amazing. And then I think, I think the, the next question, this is a question which I think people struggle with the most, is that I think everyone who's listening to this has heard at least once in their life that we all have a unique purpose, that you have something unique to contribute to the world, that Kashbach who created you in your way. And almost everyone I've spoken to, especially on a one-on-one -on -one basis, has said, okay, I heard this, I have no idea how. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea how to find my uniqueness. So what, is, what does that mean for me? How do I do it? And this is where I think that there's no single, I, I give a whole course self-mastery academy because many people like the one fix, like this one idea is going to change your life. You need a system in life. You need, a, you know, there's no such thing as like one principle that encompasses everything. You need a system. You need to go through all the different principles that then, so to speak, connect with each other to develop something powerful. But if I would say that there's one most important, the Icar, the most foundational and fundamental principle for finding your uniqueness it's developing self-awareness. It's understanding who you are. I mean, mo most people are, I wouldn't say horrified, but they're not too inclined to spend time by themselves. We live in the world of you know, constant input. You're, you're always being, you wanna have a phone on you. You wanna have some, some, some way to engage. That's why Shabbos is very hard for some people because as opposed to being the most delightful experience of self of who you've become, there's no, you can't have any input of media, of whatever it is. You have to really come face to face with who you are. Just but connect I think in order it, to connect. Shabbos. Exactly. Ah, ah, beautiful. I love that. I love that. So I think that the most important aspect of finding your uniqueness is taking some time to really ask yourself, do you know who you are? Powerful. And, and, do, and, and why don't you know who you are? Why don't you, no one knows themselves completely. But most people really don't know themselves because they've never taken the time to fall in love with themselves. They've never taken the time to spend time with themselves to get to know who they are, why they are, what, what makes you tick, what makes you work. Why do you do what you do? Have you ever decided consciously to eat what you eat, to spend time with the people you spend time with, to do what you do, to think about what you think about, to read what you read? Have you mindfully constructed your life? And then I think the, the real next stage is to, to explore that, to fall in love with yourself, to invest into yourself, to talk to yourself. You know, most people don't talk to themselves, but if you don't talk to yourself, you're not gonna know yourself. 
You need to, you know, most people spend so much time trying to be liked by other people, trying to become friends with other people. They never spent that time doing it with themselves. And I can tell you that if you don't like yourself, there's no way that you can like someone else and there's no way anyone else can like you. The first and most important foundation is to build self-love. You have to love someone else like you love yourself. Make sure that first you love yourself. And the next stage is, is building, continuously building higher levels of self-awareness to understand that in, in the much I like to give is that the, the analogy is that most people think that spiritual growth is, is moving up. You're transcending, you're, you're elevating to higher levels of spiritual growth. I think that another equally powerful analogy is that it's not only about moving up, but it's also about moving deeper and deeper within yourself. And we can go into this, you know, we can spend a whole hour talking about the Malsheva behind that and the deeper thought behind that. But so much of life is delving deeper into who you are, what makes you, you know, what drives you and you want to explore, explore. So many people don't know what talents or what skills they could develop because they've never tried it. I always say that uh, my, my ultimate Hakar Satov Takash Baruch my ultimate graduate Hashem, is that I had so much extra time in 12th grade and I taught myself how to play guitar and piano. So, you know, that's a skill that I never would, and I, I was so bad. My dad used to come into my room and, and I used to ask him like, how's it sound? He used to be like, sounds good. <laughs> you know, I was like, it was awful. But after months and months, I eventually was able to, you know, think of something and playing a guitar. I was able to start writing my own music. It's a skill I never would have developed if I wouldn't have explored it. And so many people, they, they have so much locked within themselves and they've never explored it. They've never discovered who they are because they've never gone searching. That's actually our next question, Shmuel, the fact that in life, you know, people are scared to explore things because they don't want to, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're scared of a failure, you know, and they don't want to change because, you know, they have fear of, of, of failing. So how does one overcome this fear? What do you suggest? Oh. That's such a good question. That's such a good question. So I will say this, before we talk about fear, which I wanna to get to in like one minute, I will just say to leave off our last section in terms of your uniqueness, the ultimate goal, which will, I think fear really ties so well into this. The ultimate goal, if you were to ask me what's the ultimate goal in terms of uniqueness, it would be to find something in addition to building a strong foundation, finding who they love, it would be building a life where you build a life around something that you love, something that you're really good at. Cause a lot of people are, are, they love things, but they're not good at, you know, a lot of people love to sing, they're not such great singers. So a lot of people um, are really great at things, but they don't love it. Uh, you have to have both, which is very special. You have to find a way to use what you love and what you're good at to help other people. And if you wanna really build a career, which a lot of people like, they don't love what they do. They don't do, they don't love their job. So the ideal, is to find a way to make a living doing that. And I always say that if you can provide enough value to people, then you can make a living doing it. So if you have those four things, if you love it, you're really good at it, you can help other people and you can make a living, that's the ultimate goal in terms of finding your uniqueness in life. Now, not everyone is okay to do that. Not everyone wants to have all four. A lot of people, they wanna make a living and then do what they love on the side. That's another model. And that's 100% okay. But for those who want to, to really have that ultimate synthesis, it takes first having that goal and then really paving your path. And then I think this ties perfectly into this next question, which is fear. And I can tell you that fear is, is, it is that which inhibits so many dreams. And so many people, 
they they don't strive for their greatness and they don't try to create their ultimate selves because of fear. And I think that before, before we talk about fear for striving for greatness, I think it is important to first state that greatness is not always about being in the spotlight. It's not always about being the person on the front lines. We said, you know, hitting that, that, that big, you know, shot in public. Not everyone wants or needs to be the person on the front lines. The person behind the scenes who's making everything running is sometimes doing a lot more than the person on the front lines. But nevertheless, there is, I would say that which inhibits and that which prevents most people from really striving is fear. And I think we have this question of what, what is it that holds people back? Why are people so scared? Well, what is fear? Is fear real? Are people, you know, there, there's real fear where people are afraid of, of dying. You know, you, you don't want to fall off a cliff, but what are people so afraid of? So I think, I think the best way to approach fear is to take a step back and ask in general, and I don't want to, oh, this is one of my favorite topics. We'll, we'll spend a few minutes on this if that's okay. Sure, is why don't, why don't people strive for greatness in addition to fear? Because we're going to go into fear. But I think that before we talk about fear, there are so many people who have never even considered the possibility that they are capable of striving for greatness. And I think that the number one reason for that is because they don't have an empowering identity. I mean, when you look in the mirror, how do you see yourself? For all of our, of our listeners, how many of us naturally wake up in the morning and say, I am capable of greatness. I'm destined for great things. For most people, as long as they're surviving, as long as they think, okay, you know, all of the bad things that happened to me, at least I know Hashem loves me, that's enough. But do people really think they're capable of greatness, of changing the world, of impacting others, inspiring others? I think that so many people, they struggle Either because, number one, they've never decided who they are. They don't have that self-awareness that we talked about. They, they don't, you know, the, people only wake up at a certain point in life where they say, who am I? But, but way before the midlife crisis, we have, you know, when you're a teenager, when you're a young adult, we're, we're in a society, you're enslaved by culture, you, you worry about what your friends think, what your parents think, what your teachers think. Yeah, you know, so many people, I remember I had a colleague who came crying to me once. And he said he just came from a funeral and they were talking about uh, all the, this person's legacy and what he stood for and what he you know, fought for in his life. What he stood. And he's telling me, like, I've never asked myself these questions. I don't know what I stand for. I don't even know who I am. So I think the first question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we, have we ever chosen identity? And I think that a lot of us need to start with that. We need to like really start thinking, who are we and what do we want to build in life? But I think even those who have built an identity or, or have things they want to do, they still don't do it because either they don't think it's possible. Uh, remember, uh, in order to be safe, most parents will tell people to be normal, to be practical, not to strive for greatness, not to be a dreamer. No parent wants their child to fail. So it's really strange. Very often the people who love their children the most will try to crush their dreams because they don't want them to fail and be homeless and not have a parnasa. <laughs> so very often it's the parents, it's, it's society that holds people back from really striving because, and then, and then people grew up thinking that they're just normal, that they're not capable of doing something extraordinary. They're not capable of making a difference, but they're convinced they're normal. They don't think they don't have that self-confidence, that self-worth that they need. And I think that when you're convinced that you're not capable of greatness, how many people will try? How many people will, will, will actually strive for it? And I think that the lie 
that a lot of people then tell themselves is that I, I'm comfortable with being okay. I, I, I like being okay. I like being normal, being average. I don't want to, you know, go outside of, of my comfort zone because I, I think that very often at, at that stage, we convince ourselves that this is just who I am. That this, is, this is who I've always been. This is who I am now. And this is who I will always be. And it's people with a fixed mindset. They don't allow themselves to be flexible to say, I'm elastic. I can become anything. I'm a chilek of the time. I'm, I'm a literal aspect of a coach. I'm infinite now. Like, I'm me. I, I'm, I, I do my thing. I'm, I'm comfortable where I am. And th- we basically come to believe our lies that we tell ourselves, which is that this is who I, I'm going to be. And I think that if we really want to take it now in the direction of fear, I think that there are multiple aspects of fear. There's the fear of, fear of failure. What's going to happen if I try and I, and I mess up? What will, what will my friends think of me? What will my parents think? What will, what will my spouse think? What will my children think? What will I think of myself? And then I think there's a fear of the pain and struggle of if I actually do this, if I actually commit, I'm going to have to give things up. If I go on a diet, I'm going to have to give up all the foods I like. If I start exercising, what about that time? What about, I, I know it's painful. If I, I want to become a Talmud Chacham, you know how little I know now? You know how hard it is for me to delve into a Sugi and Gemara? I can't, I, I can barely, you know, understand the, the basic strat, let alone the Rishonim, let alone Rashi and Tostos. How am I supposed to do this? And obviously you have the uh, famous Midrash that, that Sadiq looks at the mountain and says, wow, it's a mountain. You know, I get to climb up a little more every day. And the Russia says, I'll never get to the top. What's the point of trying? But that's a genuine fear. Is that you know, I don't. It's painful to go through that experience. Why would I want to overcome so much challenge when I can just play it safe and stay in my comfort zone? And I think the most underrated aspect of fear is that some people are afraid that they might actually succeed. <laughs> and what if I succeed and I'm not capable of handling it? You know, what if I succeed and it's just too much for me? I'm just not ready. And you know, you know. <laughs> I would say that a lot of people, the vision of themselves is too small. That they say, I want to strive for this dream, but I'm not, I, I don't want to be in that dream because that's too much for me. I can't handle it. The pressure is too much. I'll be so, you know, I won't be able to, the anxiety. So I, w- I want to delve into, the, into this topic of fear because I think it's a great topic. I will just say that I think there's a couple, just to finish off the topic of greatness, because one of my favorite topics. When I was in Shalavim, I began, I began really thinking about like, why, why isn't everyone great? Why don't we live in a world where everyone is spending all day, every day striving for greatness? And I became really just like in love with this topic of what drives people. Why do we do what we do? Why, why is it there are just a few people that are striving for greatness and they have to, you know, go out and inspire everyone else. Why isn't everyone doing this? And I think that part of it is really it feeds into that exact narrative, which is that so many people, they desire, they want to be normal. They want to fit in. And if you want to be great, that means that you're going to be different. And then people are going to judge you. They're going to look at you. They're going to say, oh, you think you're so good. Who do you think you are? Or you know, you're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose so much of what it means to be normal. And people aren't willing to give that up. They want to be safe. They want to be accepted. I mean, if you think about it, it's more of an existential question, but people wake up in their lives and they say, you know, what's going on? Like, I exist, but why do I exist? Why am I in this world? And for so many people, in order to feel validated, 
in order to feel like they're doing the right thing in life, they have to feel that everyone accepts who they are and why they do what they do. So if they start doing things different, if they start making new decisions, a new lifestyle, everyone starts to question them and then they start to question themselves. And many people don't have the self-confidence to really believe in the truth of striving. So they'd rather just play it safe and just kind of tuck those dreams and those ambitions and that real drive to become great. They tuck it in the back of their, the, the back of their minds, the back of their consciousness. And every time they hear an inspirational speech, they, it gets woken up again and they say like, maybe I should really go for that. But then, you know, <laughs> then they fall asleep and then, you know, the next day they go right back to it. And I will just say that one or two last points, because this is such an incredible topic. One or two last points is that there are people who do try. There are people who do try, but they still never reach their full potential. And there's a couple of reasons. Number one is that there are people who, who they, they want to be great, but they really only want this to be good enough. So when people look at them, they say, oh, that's a good guy. That, that's a, that's a Tamil Chacham, or that's a Tzadik. So oh, she's such a Talat Mida. She is such great. So they don't actually want to become great. They want to become great enough that when people look at them, they think, wow, that's a special person. And that's not motivated by greatness. That's motivated by wanting other people to accept you. So it's a different version of wanting to, so to speak, be liked by others, but as opposed to just being normal fit again, you want to be the role model. You want to be someone who's better than everyone else, but not too good. Because if you're too good, then... <laughs> You know, who knows what will happen? People won't will, will like it. And another one, which is a little nuanced, is so many people, they strive for greatness, but they constantly compare themselves to those around them. So they want to be the greatest in the room. And what they do is they don't compare themselves to who they were yesterday, which is the ideal. You say, like, who am I? Where am I going? Who do I want to be? And you constantly compare yourself to yourself. You say, okay, what can I become? What is the absolute max that I can become? I'll tell you the secret is a Mosley's role. There are no limits to what you could become. But what people do is they say, when I walk into a room, I want to be the smartest in the room, or I want to be the, you know, the funniest in the room, or I want to be, and they, all they want is to be better than those around them. So that when they look at those around them, they have the self-confidence to say, I'm the best, but you're playing small because number one, that by definition limits who you're becoming. Because as soon as you hit being the best in the room, you stop growing, because what's the point? You're better than everyone. Mm. And there's, you know, the greatest gadolim, they never stop. The greatest people, they never stop, because they're never looking around. They're never saying, okay, I'm the gadolador, like, I, I, I'm done. No, it's, it's, you know, you have the opportunity every day to become more, and you fall in love with the journey itself. And, and and if we can just build one or two more stages, there are those who do strive for greatness, but, and, and they keep pushing, but they give up. Mm. And the reason they give up is because everyone who has genuinely strived for greatness, they experience plateaus, they, they hit a brick wall, they lose the inspiration, they get tired. And when you get tired, it's so easy to give up. You, you find yourself striving. You say like, this is, why am I doing this? What, what's the point of it all? And you, you might forget why you started in the first place. You might say, you know, I've come far enough. This is enough for me. And the Ramchal and the Vilna Gon talk about how, Maharal talks about this too, how Kaj Baruch Hashem will take away the inspiration at times so that you have to genuinely earn it. Because easy, it's so easy to, to, you know, talk a big talk, play a big game, and to really push and be inspired when everything in your life is going well. 
when your health is good and your finance is good and you know your relationships are going well and you're you know being great ideas in Torah, you're coming up with great novel ideas and everything in your life is going well. It's and it, it, it's so easy. But what about when things are hard? What about when you lose the inspiration? When things uh, start to fall apart? Where you know you lose a loved one or you get sick? It, it's not easy. And what happens? A lot of people, they slow down, they stop, they take a break and, and breaks are great. But what about when you just say, you know, maybe I'll lower my standards. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not supposed to be striving for these great things. So the Ramchal says that's really HaKadosh Baruch Hashem gives you those challenges to really make you earn it, to make you deserve it, to, to allow you to put everything you have, all your kochos, all your strength, all of your your power to really invest yourself into it. And a lot of people, even if they are striving, they'll slow down or stop at that stage. And I'll, I'll leave off. And this is for, for, I want people to think about this because this is, this is maybe the most, the most powerful reason why people don't become actually great is there are people who have achieved levels of greatness, levels of success, but they're not really pushing to the max. So they might be a Rosh Hashiva, they might be a Menahel, they might be a, a Rebbe or, or a Posik, they might be doing great things, but they're not, they're not going to the max. They're not pushing into the unknown because they're doing what is, so to speak, is, is easy and known for them. So if you're, if you're already a leader, if you're already, let's say you've spent 25 years striving for greatness, what happens if you take that next step? First of all, people who are already on the front lines, people who are doing great things, it's really hard for them to continue growing because if you want to start a new thing, if you've been a leader for 20 years, you want to start at the bottom of a new aspect of your life, you, uh, what happens if you look like a fool? You mess up. No one wants to go from being a leader to looking like you know they're starting from the, you know, no, I've, I've built my whole life. So a lot of people, they stay safe and so to speak what they're good at and they don't continue going into the unknown because that means that, you know, and, and that's like, you know, Avram Avinu. There's different approaches when he started his journey, but, you know, 48, you know, depending on 40, depending on, on which opinion of the Gemara, which opinion of the Midrash, to, to when you're at an old age to start something new, to be willing, even after spending your whole life doing something great to then say, okay, I know I've mastered this, but now I'm going to start doing this. And I'm going to start from like where other people are 18 when they're starting that category. And, and I'm going to look like a, a like, well, what happens if people, uh, you know, have a video of me trying this <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it goes out that, you know, I look like a fool. So there are people who are not willing to walk into the unknown. They will stay doing what is, so to speak, easy, what is known to them. It's a relative comfort zone because other people look at them once again and they say, these people are good, these people are extraordinary. But for them, they know they're staying within what's comfortable, what's easy. And I think that the true aspect of greatness, the true infinite nature of what it means to be in this world is that you are never done and you are never finished, and there are no limits. And you can literally achieve anything. If you spend enough time, enough focus, have enough mood, enough faith on Kosh Baruch Hu, you can achieve anything. But let's get back to the question of fear. Because I think that fear is, and, and Rabbi Meirav, I, I think this, this really hits the nail on the head, because I think this is, so many people, they live their lives in fear. And everyone on the outside pretty much looks the same. 
But on the inside, everyone is going through their own battles and everyone is scared. Everyone is scared. And, and I will tell you that I, when I was much younger, I used to be you know, scared of public speaking, scared of building genuine, real relationship, of being vulnerable, letting myself be seen, of, of not being good enough for my friends, not being good enough for other people. And so many people, they struggle with this and they live their whole lives caged with fear. And I, I just began asking myself when I, when I was younger, like, how do you overcome this? We talked about like greatness and why people don't, don't do it, but okay, that's great. How do you do it? Like, how do you overcome fear? And I wanna share some, some ideas with you. I, these ideas, they, they changed my life. As you can clearly see, I'm not scared of public speaking anymore. Kosh Baruch Hu is incredible. Um, but so many people, they, they really understand that fear is holding them back but they want to know how to overcome it. So I wanna, I wanna go into this for a few minutes just to share a couple of ideas. And I think that before we go into the different aspects of fear, most fear is not real. Most fear is something that we create in our minds. And there's genuine fear, like if I, like we said, if you're on a cliff, you know, you're scared of falling off because if you fall off, you're gonna die. So it's, that's a good fear. That's a rational fear. Most fear is just fear of uncertainty. Like what's gonna happen? I don't know what's gonna happen. Or you're scared of being vulnerable. Like for, for a lot of people, they come to me, they're, they're dating and they're having a really hard time being, being open with the person they're dating to share who they are, what they believe in, their values, their vulnerabilities, their weaknesses. Because what happens if someone sees who you really are and they judge you, they don't like what they see. A lot of people, they never really open up because they're afraid that if they open up, they'll be crushed. They've never actually been crushed. They don't even know, but they're just afraid of the what if and they can't build a real relationship. So whether it's relationships, whether it's being vulnerable and sharing your actual thoughts with other people, because a lot of people, if they share themselves with other people and they were rejected or knocked down, they feel like they are knocked down. And then you know, they, they, they live their whole lives locked up. And a lot of people don't want to put themselves out there. They don't want to be, so to speak, vulnerable to what other people think. So they stay safe. They stay quiet. They don't really share themselves. And one of my favorite uh, lines is that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. It's just an excuse that we make. We make these excuses and when we make excuses, we usually get to keep them. We get to keep our limitations. And I think that the first and most important way to overcome fear is to recognize that it's a mental construct. It's an illusion that we create to protect ourselves. And if we, if we learn to attack the things we're scared of, if we learn to, meaning for anyone who's overcome a fear before we actually talk about how to overcome it, the moment that you realize that your fears are just illusions that you create, you start questioning, what and what I spent my whole life not doing all of these things that I could have doing, been doing because of these fears that aren't real. And the moment you start realizing that all the things that are holding you back, all of these, the, these paradigm shifts that you could make, all of these, the perspectives and perceptions that you have on these things that aren't real, that you say, I can't do that. That's not for me. I'm not capable of that. No, no, that wouldn't be good. All of those things aren't true. You realize that you can actually do anything. And yeah, there's uh, there's so many great stories about this. That one time, a person once time told me a story that every day on the way back from work, he would take a different 
a different path home because when he went during, uh, down a certain block, there was this really angry, you know, uh, it was like a bulldog, right? It was a really angry bulldog and he was really scared of the bulldog. And for, for months, he took a different path home. And then one day he went down that path and the bulldog chased after him. And he was scared the bulldog was gonna like rip his face off. So he's like running as fast as he could. The bulldog caught him. And when the bulldog came up to him, he saw the bulldog and there was no teeth in the bulldog's mouth. So for months and months and months, he's been running away from something that has no teeth. And I thought that that's literally the greatest muscle for fear. We run away from all of these things that we think they're gonna destroy us, they're gonna rip us apart, and they have no teeth. And amazing. Amazing. I got to tell you, Shmuel, the chizuk, the inspiration is two thumbs up. And, and, and you know, we'll jump to the, to the next question, which is, you know, one roadblock to greatness is pushing things off. People right now listening, the audience, I know for a fact, the thousands of people, they're all like, you know, okay, we're ready. But some people are saying, you know, you know, right now I'm in the middle of school, you know, I'm in the middle of, uh, you know, I'm about to give birth, maybe a mother is saying, or maybe I'm about to, you know, uh, you know, the summer is coming, maybe I have to, they're pushing it off. But we know in Perkei Avot, in Ethics of Our Father, it says, I've not now when. So once we are inspired to improve, like we all are right now, how do we act on the moment? Oh, that's such a good <laughs> question. That's such a good question. So here, here's what I would suggest. I would suggest that number one, you want to immediately, you want to immediately take control of that inspiration. So the moment that you have that inspiration, I would say that, you know, if I were to be honest, inspiration is great. Inspiration, dreams, they're fantastic. But at the end of the day, they're just that. They're dreams. Inspiration. And a dream without goals is just a dream. An inspiration without goals is fleeting. And I think we live in a world, just like we talked about how people love unique, as people love inspiration. But my biggest pet peeve, you know, I've, I love inspiration. I love delving into halacha and gemar and machshava and musr and, you know, mada and the world of, as much as I love inspiration, my biggest pet peeve is that so many people, they just want the inspiration. And that's, I would say, I don't want to be harsh, but that is one of the biggest lies that Kosh Baruch Hu allowed us to live within. Because a life of inspiration is really nothing unless you act on that inspiration. And the real goal is to make those dreams and inspiration a reality. And the way to do that is immediately write it down, set up concrete, tangible steps so that you can act on that inspiration. And I would say that have huge goals, but then make bite-sized goals. So have a, I just gave a talk to, to a graduating class and I was telling them how you're, you're about to go out into the world and this is a time of dreams, but create huge goals, like lifelong goals, but then create yearly goals, then create monthly goals, then weekly goals, day goals, so that your year is heading towards your ultimate life. Your month is heading towards that yearly goal. Your week is directed towards that monthly goal. And each day, is towards your weekly goal, which is really towards your life and goal. So your whole life becomes oriented to achieving greatness. You want to construct a life, create a lifestyle. That means surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded, who understand your values. That means 
you know, creating a, a, an environment within your house. People don't want to eat unhealthy food, but they have unhealthy food lying around their, their whole house. You want to eat healthy, surround yourself with healthy food. You want to be positive, surround yourself with positive people. You want to learn more, surround yourself with Svarim. Create a life environment of Torah, of thought, of growth. And, and it's so easy to talk about it, but so people, they, they like the inspiration phase, but we need to act on it. And, and that's the key. So you want to create concrete, tangible action points. And the next step is create external accountability. That, that's a life changer. For people who want to work out, what happens when you're tired? What happens when the alarm goes off at you know, five in the morning, six in the morning, and you're like, I don't want to go? What happens when it's, it, you start to lose that inspiration? So when you have external accountability, you have a chavrusa to learn with, you have a, a workout partner, no one wants to be, number one, you want to keep that identity if we committed to this together. Number two, you don't want to let him down, right? No one wants to be the person that says, oh, we're going to work out then we're, we're not going to do it. Oh, we're going to learn every night, but then I don't show up. So when you create something external, as much as, and this is something really important, ideally in life, we would be self-motivated, do everything from internally, internal will, internal motivation, but Akash Barco sends you challenges to push you when you're not going that direction yourself. But sometimes we need to create those external pushes ourselves, create external accountability, create a, a commitment that makes it that it's not just about what I want, but I have to do this now. And the, the next thing I would say is start talking about it. Tell people, oh, I'm gonna do this. Because what happens when you start telling people you're gonna do it, there is no way you're not gonna do it because no one wants to be seen like a liar. If you committed to eating healthy, you don't want to be seen with a Snickers, with a Kit Kat, with an ice cream bar. Uh, you know, you want to maintain the identity that you convince yourself and other people that you have. So as much as it's amazing to do everything internally, you want to make sure that it's also working from the external motivation as well. And I would say, feed the inspiration. Keep that inspiration going. I, I listen to motivational, inspirational content every single day. I read it. I, people always ask me, when are you going to stop? I'm gonna stop when I die. That's when I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna go into, there's never a point where you're, you're, you have like the inspirational carry for the rest of your life. You need to feed it. As much as you're gonna continue learning and, and you know, and continue focusing on growth and working on all aspects of your life, you're never gonna, so to speak, have enough inspiration. You have to keep feeding that, you know, feed the flame, you know, keep, 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 inspire, keep inspiring yourself. And, and realize, and this is really, I'll just end off back on our, our question of fear, just a couple quick points. Number one, have an inspiring why. Like know why you're doing what you're doing. If you, there's a great line, if you know why you're doing what you're doing, you can overcome anyhow. If you have a real purpose to life, if you know what's motivating you, why you're doing this, you wake up every morning, it's hard. Life isn't easy, life is really hard. But if you know why you're driving to do it, you can overcome anything. And if you, and back to our question of when you really are scared of something, just break it down into simple steps. Acknowledge that, yes, this is, this is scary, but really it's just one, two, three, four, five steps. If you say like, okay, how do I get in good shape? That's overwhelming. How do I become a Tamil Chacham? That's overwhelming. But if you break up into small steps, okay, I learn one Amud a day. I learn a couple Halachas a day. I exercise, you know, just to start off a little slow, exercise three times a week. That's doable. So if you create this overwhelming, you know, oh my gosh, how can I do that? Of course you're not gonna do it. But if you break it up into small steps, if you make it achievable, and then you take responsibility for your life, there's a great line that's by Earl Nightingale. He says that all of us are self-made, but only the successful among us will admit it. 
So it's, it's a great line. Obviously, Hashem's the Iker. Hashem's responsible. But there's a powerful kernel of truth in that, that we have to take responsibility for our lives. We have to, first of all, realize that you can do it. Realize that you could figure it out. So many people, they, they don't believe that even if they try, it's, not, it's impossible for me. You can figure it out. It's possible for you. And I would say, just to give a couple uh, things which really have helped me, is you want to build mastery over what you want to do. Because so much of what holds people back, really, so much of fear is doubt. You don't, you don't really know if you, you have no idea what, what the, how to do it, if it's going to work, if it's not going to work out. When you immerse yourself in it, when it becomes who you are, when you become so engrossed, you know, when someone gives a shear, when someone's a real tamachacham, they don't come before the shear, they say, I have no idea what I'm talking about. No, they have become the sugya. They have become the Torah. They have no doubts before they give the shear. Of course, they dive into Hashem. Of course, they want that, or they want Akash Baruch to help them, but they don't doubt their abilities because they know who they are. And when you immerse yourself in it, you have no doubt. And, and that's really immersion. So many people, they dabble, you know, they, a little bit here, a little bit there. You want to immerse yourself. And ultimately, you want to have a Muna that, you know, despite all the shtals, all the effort I put in, you have to really have that amuna that Akash Baruch Hu is going to help you as you walk into that unknown, as you really go for it, Akash Baruch Hu is going to help you succeed. Rabbi, unbelievable chizak. Wow, what inspiration. You know, many, many can't stop themselves from making excuses. But we know from a story in the Gemara that Eina davar elabi. the matter depends on me alone. How to remove... How does one remove the excuse button from, from their minds? You know, many people find excuses. What do you suggest? That's a great question. That's a great question. I, I, we just, we, we talked about, we mentioned a second ago, how first of all, when you make excuses, you get to keep your limitations. So a lot of people say, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not unhealthy. I'm just thick bone. So, okay, great. You're just <laughs> never going to get in shape. You, you convince yourself that I, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm not a tamachacham. I just, I don't have a sharp head. I'm not like that. Okay, great. So you're never going to become tamachacham. When you make an excuse, number one, you get to keep it. But why do we make excuses? Why? Meaning, of course, if you make an excuse, you get to keep the limitation that you made an excuse for, but why do we do it? So number one, it, it, it's hard to grow. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. We don't want to leave our comfort zone. And once again, we're afraid of failure. We're afraid that, okay, what if I try and I mess up? What if I try and I succeeded and it's not what I wanted or it's too much for me? Or there, it really gets back into everything we've been talking about. Most people don't even think it's possible for them. They don't think that they're capable. So they make these excuses. I, you, you need to have a paradigm shift of how you see yourself. You need to start convincing yourself that you are extraordinary, you are capable of greatness, you are infinite, you are connected to the infinite, you have unbelievable talent within you just waiting to be discovered, and you wanna surround yourself with, with the right people. Uh, so much is the story we feed ourselves, the, the, the identity we reinforce. And to realize you can change your identity, you can, you can choose to change your self-talk. I, can, I cannot tell you how many people they say the most horrible things to themselves. And it's enough that, you know, we can't control what other people say to us, but why would you want to tell yourself? <laughs> why would you want to, like a lot of people look in the mirror and they're like, you know, they say they don't like who they are or what they see. And you have to realize that there's nothing that you cannot do. And you can change how you see yourself, how you talk about yourself. You can change your identity. I'll, I'll just share one quick story. 
one of my favorite stories. There was a boy who was who was in a math class, it was a graduate math class, and he fell asleep. He was, you know, went a night seder till midnight, whatever it was. He was, you know, really staggering away. He, he fell asleep. And he woke up and there were two math problems on the board. And he wrote down the homework and he went home and he spent the whole weekend trying to work on these math problems and he couldn't. He couldn't figure them out. He just read the textbooks, did online research, asked the, no, couldn't figure them out. Spent countless hours, you know, spending all of Thursday night and then, you know, obviously after his night seder. And then he, you know, was working on it before Shabbos and then he was spent Masi Shabbos spent Sunday and he was so afraid he was not gonna be able to succeed in this homework problem. And Sunday night he cracked one of the problems. Cracked the problem. And then he came, but the other one he just couldn't he couldn't figure out. So he came to class and he had a little, a little sheepish head down. He went over to the professor and I said, sorry professor, I was only able to solve one of the problems. Professor said, which what are you talking about? Which problem? So the homework problems, I, I didn't give any homework in here. I, I, I said, there's no homework for the weekend. He said, what, what are you talking about? What about the two homework problems on the board? The professor said, what? And he started looking over the, the work and the professor turned white in the face. And he said, that wasn't homework. Mm -hmm. Those are two impossible, unsolvable math problems that no one's ever been able to solve. You just did the impossible. Now, why did he do the impossible? Because in his mind, that was homework. You were supposed to do it. He didn't hear that it is impossible. He didn't hear that you're not even supposed to try. He didn't hear that no one's ever done it. He just saw a math problem. And so many of us, we start with the narrative, with the story. If you hear that it's impossible, if you convince yourself it's impossible, if you know that you're not supposed to try, you're not supposed to do it, we don't. We make these excuses because it's easy and because we don't want to go into that unknown. But if you stop telling yourselves those excuses, stop telling yourself that you're not capable, but realize you can do anything. That's the idea. Kaj Baruch took Abram above the mazals, above the stars. What does that mean? The Gemara says it was Hashem saying, in mazli Yisrael. And the Mepharshim say that that means that there is no limits. There is no maz. Mazal is nature. Those are the rules of cause and effect, natural, logic, mathematics. Those rules don't apply to you once you realize that you're connected to Akash Baruch Hu. So if you, if you change your identity, realize you can do anything, then all limitations start to fade away. Unbelievable, Reb Shmua. Wow, what inspiration, what chizuk. I wish we could just go on and on forever because this is like such a... Uh, ah, this, is, this is inspiring me too. This is incredible. <laughs> but unfortunately, the time is uh, it's wrapping up, and uh, we're going to ask you one final question, which is if you could leave us with one final thought about this topic we have tonight to our broad audience. Always the best question to end on. <laughs> Honestly, I, I would tell you the, the best advice I ever got, and it came at a turning point for my life which as simple as it sounds is the most powerful advice you can ever hear. And it's never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Because as hard as your life is, and as much as, as we're all going through, and no one knows what you're going through because no one understands your experience of life. No one knows what you've gone through. No one experiences your emotions. No one knows what you're thinking. No one knows what you're actually going through. Never ever give up. And I would say, tell yourself two words. Tell yourself it's possible. That, that's it. Is it guaranteed? No. Is it possible? 
Is it possible for you to achieve your greatness? Is it possible for you to achieve your dreams? Is it possible for you to achieve that extraordinary life that you dream of? Is it possible? Yes. Because when you live with the possibility, your entire life changes because everyone wants to know what's guaranteed, what's safe, what's practical, what's automatic. No, no, no. Don't live your life that way. Live your life with asking yourself those two words. Is, well, asking yourself, is it possible? Those are three words. But telling yourself two words, it's possible. And when you realize that you really can achieve anything, you can achieve anything you set your mind to. And when you live your life, you know, 100% hishtadlis, 100% amuna. People often ask, like, how much hishtadlis, how much amuna? It's not like, you know, some hishtadlis, some amuna. It's 100% hishtadlis, 100% amuna. You have to go all in, 100% immersion, every single day. And you have to also realize that 100% comes from Hashem. It's not some and some, it's a paradox. You live your life all in. And when you live your life like that, and you realize that anything is possible, and you live such an amazing life because you really strive. You spend every day and it becomes the most extraordinary life imaginable. But remember, never give up. And anything is possible if you put your mind to it. Wow, Reb Shmuel Reichman, I'm so impressed. What a chizik, what an inspiration. Achieving your greatness, we could all do it. We could all become great as we heard so eloquently, so beautifully given over by our dear friend of Shmuel Reichman, Shlita Yashakach. Thank you very much, Reb Shmuel, for the inspiration. Uh, you know, Reb Shmuel's constantly giving shirim, the, the classes, the lectures, it's all over the place. So many people are being inspired. We appreciate your time. And uh, we want to remind our audience every single Tuesday, Baruch Hashem, we have these inspiring, timely Tuesday Torah Talks, Chazak's Tuesday program. Baruch Hashem, it's on many, many different uh, apps and many different podcasts and all these different options on social media and online and all these different websites, Baruch Hashem. Please make sure to like, to share, to forward, so everyone could be inspired. And Baruch Hashem, we look forward to having the Geulah Shlimah, the complete redemption, to come speeling oh, our days. Amen, amen.